This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for February 19th, 2023. The title of the message is Preach the Word. Well, if you would turn in your Bibles with me, we continue through Paul's pastoral epistles. If you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Hear now the reading of God's word, beginning in verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add uh, his blessing to his word this evening. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, our presbytery gathered down in San Diego, Chula Vista. Some of you know uh, our dear brother Roger Wagner down there is uh, getting ready to retire after 40 years of ministry. And uh, and we, we gathered down... Uh, in Chula Vista to ordain and install their new senior pastor. Uh, you may have remember you may remember him. He preached here oh, maybe about a year ago. Uh, Jason Vartanian. Yeah, he'll be uh, uh, the lead pastor there. And uh, and as with uh, all ordination and installation services, there was a charge, a pastoral charge to him solemnly charging him to his pastoral work and ministry. Um, And uh, Eric Watkins, who gave the pastoral charge, uh, just talked about how grave and how serious and how solemn the work of ministry is. And it triggered my own memories. Um, Eric talked about how, you know, how serious... And how burdensome it felt when he first uh, was charged to gospel ministry. And it just reminded me of how I felt the very first pastoral charge I received from one of my mentors. And as I heard, uh, you know, from God's word, from the lips of my mentor, all the things that pastors are supposed to do to preach, pray, teach, to shepherd. Uh, to, as we see here, endure suffering, uh, to care for the sheep, to go out uh, and look f- and search for the, the lost sheep, doing the work of evangelists. All of these things, it just seemed so uh, impossible a task for a mere mortal. And I thought to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And, and it forced me to go back to... Um, to the gospel, to remind myself 
that if I've been saved by grace, then I continue by grace. And whatever I do in the Christian life, if I do it by grace through faith, then I trust in him to do everything for me uh, and simply obey as, as he commands. And, uh, and then that, that freed me, that lifted that burden from my shoulders. And I felt this sigh of relief as I thought about that. Um, and, it, and it just reminded me of how Paul, you know, if you remember, if you remember um, his words in the, his, in the letter to, to the Corinthians, how he's talking about, you know, the, the, uh, all that God had charged him to do as a missionary, as an apostle and preaching the gospel, he asked this rhetorical question, who is sufficient for these, right? In other words, it's Paul's way of saying, you know, <laughs> who, can, who, who can do such a Herculean task? And implied in that is only God is sufficient for these things. No mere mortal is sufficient. And we are sufficient, not in ourselves, but in Christ by his grace, and um, and so this evening, uh, he is passing on, Paul, the, the Apostle Paul is passing on uh, the same pastoral charge, the same ministerial charge that he himself bore and is passing it on and giving it to uh, his protege, Timothy, who is going to pastor the church um, here in Ephesus. So he says here, you know, this evening, Paul, Paul, we see his solemn charge to Timothy. Um, and he adds here this language, this, this judicial, testimonial, witnessing language that he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, do all of these things. In other words, it's not me as an apostle telling you what you're supposed to do, it's me as an apostle before in the presence of God, the judge of the living and the dead with whom you must give an account when he returns of the stewardship of the sheep of God's, as, of God's people to minister to them. Do the work of ministry. Fulfill your calling. And then he lists uh, everything that Paul is uh, Paul lists everything that Timothy is supposed to do uh, as a pastor, and and the reason why uh, this is a very special passage for me is, is I'm really preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself, and um, and by God's grace, I hope that that uh, as I'm describing what pastors are supposed to do, you would apply these, these, these things to yourself as recipients of this ministry. That if I'm called to preach the gospel, guess what? You're called to hear it. If I'm called to rebuke and exhort and proclaim the good news, uh, you're responsible to hear it, to believe it, and to live it out in your life. Um, so I hope you'll see everything in that framework and in that context. And so as, he, as the Apostle Paul gives the pastoral, the solemn pastoral charge to Timothy, he gives us an outline and the character of pastoral ministry. And so let's look at, 
what that is. What do we do? First, we begin by preaching the word of God faithfully, verses 1 and 2. Preach the word, right? The the word here is this idea of heralding, uh, proclaiming, testifying um, publicly uh, to to anyone who has ears to hear. And uh, the idea here is uh, to preach the word. And how do we do that? We, we, we preach what the word says. And that's another way of talking about uh, describing expositional, expository preaching. In other words, when I preach the word, I'm literally just laying the word out as clearly, as cogently, as pointedly, um, as transparently for you so that you would have to deal with God's word and not my opinion. That I would lay out for you as I'm proclaiming the word of God in such a way that the main point and all of the details of the passage would be the main point and the details that I proclaim to you in the preaching of God's word. If you are familiar with my preaching, um, you know, it's not brain surgery, it's not neuroscience, it's not uh, rocket science. It's just stating what the passage says and showing from the passage that it says what I say, it, what, it, what it is, and then applying it, illustrating it, um, and, and letting the Holy Spirit apply that word into your lives, into your hearts. Um, and I do my best not to preach uh, my opinions, not to preach, um, uh, not to you know put myself at the center of it. But literally, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about um, you know when he preached to the Galatians, he said when he preached to the, to the Galatians, he literally painted a picture of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And um, what a preacher does in preaching the word is that's really what he does. He paints a word portrait of the gospel from that particular passage. And, uh, and that when you see that word picture of Christ portrayed, crucified, risen, ascended, exalted, glorified, um, the, the Christ portrayed for you so that you might come to repentance and faith. The Christ portrayed to be applied into your life, uh, not just information, but to bring about transformation. Um, That's what it means to preach the word, to proclaim it, to herald it as a king sends a messenger or an emissary to the whole land so that the people would know what the king is saying. And so I represent not myself, not my opinions, but an ambassador of God to preach what he says so that you might know what he says and that you would do it. It also means here, um, in the context of verses 1 and 2, along with you know verse 3 here, I'm sorry, uh, in the middle of uh, verse 1 with verse 2 at the beginning here, 
uh, I preached the word in the presence of God as if God were the one preaching it. Uh, it's really interesting that our, you know, in 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 the history of of our uh, Reformed tradition, uh, when when the word of God is proclaimed, in as much as the word is preached, God speaks. Uh, nothing added, nothing taken away. Um, so that the minister, when when all's said and done, what has been to preached, uh, the people of God have to deal with God because it's the one, it's God who has spoken to you, uh, not me. I stand back and I only, you know, tell you what God says and then you have to deal with what God has told you. Um, and again, I have to, we have to be ambassadors um, of God. You know how, you know how, uh, how crazy would it be if, uh, if our president, uh, uh, nominated a an ambassador to another country, let's say uh, Russia or North Korea, and that ambassador, you know, is told to represent the interests of our nation, and then he ends up turning around uh, representing his own personal interests. Uh, that that what is conveyed to him by the president, he doesn't pass on. He just kind of does his own thing. Uh, he is not an ambassador. He is not an emissary. And, um, but the preacher of God's word, the pastor of God's word, must do that. That I have to stand with a clear conscience and tell you and say to you, this is what God has said, thus saith the Lord. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, and that is no small thing for me to do and it's no small thing for you to receive. It also means, you know, if we have to preach the word in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, the ju- the, before the judge of the living and the dead, it means that we also have to preach the word in light of his coming, uh, his coming judgment. And what that means then is to preach the word with urgency. That Jesus can return at any moment. We don't know. He may come like a thief in the night. And as I preach the word of God, uh, the urgency with which I preach it means that you have to be ready for his return at any moment. Um, if If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you're not ready for Jesus' return because when he returns... You have not repented and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so therefore, when, when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead, you will have to stand before the judgment throne of God for your own sins. But if you, if you hear the gospel and you know that Jesus is coming and that he's going to judge the living and the dead, he's going to judge in, with righteousness and equity, then you could be and you should be ready by putting your by repenting and putting your faith in Jesus Christ uh, who took your sin in your place. He bore the punishment and the penalty that you deserve so that uh, he suffered the future judgment day 2,000 years ago. He suffered the penalty and the punishment, the dereliction, the forsakenness 
of God in your place. When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced the judgment that you deserve 2,000 years ago so that when he returns on the future judgment day, you are acquitted. You are already accepted. You are already loved. You are already um, uh, God's child. And you will be embraced as a certainty on that future day. And so... So I have to preach the gospel in light of the urgency of his coming judgment. Um, Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to return at any moment? Uh, Do you have that assurance and peace of salvation that Jesus died for you and rose again for you so that you have peace with God? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That having been justified by faith, you have peace with God now and forever and on that judgment day. So that when when he comes, he will say, he will receive you. And and he'll say to you, enter into the joy of your master. You are in Christ. You are my beloved child. Um, And as well as, and here's the... uh, uh, one more thing too is I preach in light of the coming judgment uh, so that you might do all that God has prepared for you. You know, He saved you by grace through faith, uh, not of your own doing, lest anyone should boast. And then, you know, Ephesians 2.10, to do the good works that, has already, that God has already planned for you. And to do that with urgency, um, that uh, to go and share the gospel so that other people might be ready uh, for Jesus' return. Uh, that you would grow in your faith and in your sanctification. Uh, that uh, we don't know when Jesus is coming back and the, the, uh, the days are, are evil. And so, so the Lord calls us to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and everything else would be added unto you. And to do that in light of Jesus' coming. There is, um, and then also as well to, to uh, herald or proclaim the word of God publicly to all the world, um, to you, uh, to our covenant children, to those who would come and visit, even to those who regularly come and and uh, really, you know, have questions about Jesus, who aren't sure whether they believe. Uh, very much like, um, you know, those who are sitting on the fence, uh, those who who would come through our doors searching for Jesus and that they would come and hear the gospel um, or or to continue among us until the Lord or uh, when the Lord uh, would cause that person to be born again. Um, And so we we proclaim the gospel in our church and outside the church, right? It's almost like like the parables that Jesus told, uh, if you remember, that he invited, you know, the king uh, invited uh, his 
the nobles, you know, the lords, uh, uh, the um, those who he knew to his his wedding feast, and they were like, oh, I don't want to come. And so, what does the king do? He goes and he he sends messengers out to go to the highways and the byways and invite the poor, invite whoever would come to go outside uh, of the you know, of uh, what we normally think of in terms of the kingdom of God. And um, and so that's what preachers are to do. We'll see the, a little bit more of what that looks like when we get to that part uh, to do the work of an evangelist. But we proclaim the word of God both inside and outside the church to the people of God and those yet who who have yet to come to faith in Christ. Um, and, and here, uh, let me just highlight a little bit of the power of God's word in the pro- proclamation of it. God's word is so powerful. Uh, it's amazing the stories you hear about how um, the, sometimes the most obscure Bible verses uh, can work miracles in people's lives and bring about uh, a new birth. Uh, I, I'm just um, remembering this story because I recently heard it about R.C. Sproul where, uh, you know, he was not a Christian. He grew up in a, in a mainline uh, Presbyterian church, and he went to, a Presby- I think, a Presbyterian university, but it wasn't very strongly Presbyterian or Christian. But he came across some very strong evangelical Presbyterian Christians who were taking the Bible seriously. And he sat there, and he was just listening to them, and he asked them what they were doing. And uh, this the first person who was leading the Bible study, you know, pointed out some obscure verse in Ecclesiastes, I think. And it's something like, if a tree falls, you know, I think if a tree falls, then it, it, it's fallen or something like that. <laughs> I wish I remember it because it was just, it's just so obscure. I'm like, how, how do you come to faith in Christ with that verse? And it turned out that uh, the Holy Spirit just convicted R.C. to the point where he saw himself as a tree that, f- that falls because of unbelief and that he needed to put his faith in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and the rest is history. Um, or, you know, or, and Martin Luther, he, he talks about the power of God's word this way. He says, uh, you know, when people asked him towards the end of his life, you know, you know after, after nailing the 95 Thesis and, preaching through Romans, teaching through Romans, and, you know, the, uh, the Reformation kind of just spread like wildfire throughout Europe and changed the face of the whole world. Um, and they asked him, you know, like, what's your secret? Like, you know, how did you, uh, how did you accomplish all these things? Look at, look at kingdoms and nations have fallen. Uh, the gospel is going out into the world. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't have a monopoly on, on the gospel. And he said this, I simply taught, preached, wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. I did nothing. The word did it all. I did nothing. I left it to the word. But it brings him, talking about Satan, distress when we only spread the word and let it alone do the work. And I think that's what Paul is telling Timothy that when he says preach the word. It's just let the word do all the work. You don't need to do it. You, know, you don't need to manufacture anything. 
Just preach the word and get out of the way and let the word change people's lives. Let the word raise the dead to life. Let the word give sight to the blind. Let the word uh, make the deaf hear. Let the word heal and cleanse lepers and sinners. Let the word bring about revival and renewal to the whole world. Uh, let's move on. Um, thirdly, we also, Paul is also calling Timothy to preach the word not only, um, not only publicly, but consistently. Right, look at what he goes on to say in verse 2. Preach the word in season and out of season. Right, what does that mean? It means uh, at least a few things. It means to preach, preach the word when uh, I'm not prepared and when I'm prepared. <laughs> uh, this reminds me a story, uh, reminds me a story uh, that I heard um, R. Kent Hughes give is that he went to uh, some Bible conference in Africa and he went there as an observer. And once they, once he told them, Oh, I'm a pastor from America, they said, Oh, you know, they, it, so there's a church of a couple of thousand in the middle of Africa. And they're like, Oh, this is our brother, uh, pastor Hughes from America. He'll be preaching. He'll be giving us God's word today. And like, you know, and he's like, he didn't even have a Bible with him, let alone his notes. And, and, and what he ended up doing was he, he just preached from the heart uh, what God had been teaching him through the book of Romans. And uh, after preaching for, for an hour, uh, the, the, the African church, and here, here, you know, I don't mean to, I don't want to shame you or anything, but after an hour, they stood up and they said, thank you, brother. Can you preach again? And, uh, and he preached for another hour. And then... They stood up again and said, thank you, brother, but can you preach again? Some more? Preach some more. And they were there for four hours. For four hours. Um, uh, I mean, granted, you know, you know, he's probably a much gifted preacher, but I, I don't know. I, that's my dream someday is that for somebody to stand up and, and say, Pastor James, can you preach more? I want to hear more. I know it's been... I know it's 12 o'clock, but I'm more hungry for the word than for food. Can you keep preaching, brother? Like, uh, that's, that, I would love for that, for us to, to do that, um, to, you know, push us up out of our comfort zone. But what that means is, is uh, to preach in season and out of season, when you expect it or when you don't. It also means preaching when the culture is more or less receptive to the word of God. Um, I think throughout history, you know, um, the receptivity of a, a nation or a culture or a people to the word of God, to the gospel, waxes and wanes. It goes up and ebbs and flows. Sometimes they're, they're, all, they're much more ready to hear the word as much as they can be uh, without being born again. Uh, and then sometimes they're more hostile to the word. Uh, you know, the, in the history of our country, probably, you know, post-World War the baby boom, you know, um, you, it, it was not uncommon to hear about churches just exploding, 
You know, our, our church, you know, in that post, post-World post War II baby boom era exploded to, I don't know, let, like seven, 600, I'm not sure exactly, 400, 400, uh, to the point where, you know, in some Easter services, they packed out the sanctuary and they had to rent out uh, the theater that was used to be across the street. Um, that's what I've been told. And there were so many children that they had to put seats out uh, on the street or on right here on, on the on the side here. And they would have to just, the Sunday school teachers just had to stand there and teach the kids wherever they could, uh, in the hallways, wherever they could find room. Um, and maybe that was a time where uh, it was more in season to preach the word of God. And then now we're at a time where we're, I think we're more out of season, where the culture is much more hostile and, and um, oppositional to the word of God. That when you preach the word of God, you could be accused of hate crimes. <laughs> uh, you could be accused of, of being intolerant to marginalized groups, whatever they may be. Uh, simply for preaching what the Bible teaches. Uh, and notwithstanding preaching uh, a gospel that is exclusive in Christ, but an inclusive invitation to sinners, to all sinners. So um, so Paul calls Timothy and calls every minister to preach the word in season and out of season. So what does that mean for you as the people of God? What it means is you ought to be receptive to the word of God in season and out of season. That in this particular season of where there's more opposition, where the culture is is opposed to the word of God, to not let that affect what you believe about the word of God. Um, when all of your unbelieving friends uh, would, would, would mock and look down and ridicule the preaching of God's word, for you to say, you know what, it is out of season. And so when the preacher is preaching the word of God out of season, it's incumbent upon me to hear the word of God, to believe the word of God, to apply the word of God, while it's out of season as well. Does that make sense? Um, and I feel like we're at that point uh, very soon where um, uh, some of the religious exceptions that we've rested on for the past 250 years uh, uh, are, are no longer going to be there. And uh, very much like... Um, you know, European countries, as well as, for example, in Canada, when you preach the gospel and you teach, for example, the biblical, um, the biblical uh, truth of human sexuality, that uh, you will be accused uh, and, and maybe even experience the legal consequences of intolerance and hate. Um, The Apostle Paul also tells Timothy to preach the word pastorally, not only consistently in season and out of season, but pastorally uh, by applying the word of God to the hearts and the minds and the lives of God's people. And how do we do that? Look at verse, look at verse uh, three there. Keep going after. Reprove, rebuke, rebuke, and exhort. 
So we apply God's word by reproving. And what, that, what does that mean? It means pushing back. It means confronting wrong beliefs, wrong lifestyles, sinful lifestyles, um, uh, teaching what God's word says about what God prohibits. Um, it also means, uh, and also by correcting, right? So there's two sides to this coin. There's reproving, telling you what, what God's word prohibits, but also correcting, showing you the right way what God's word commands, um, teaching the right doctrines and the right way of life. And we, call, we think of this both formative and restorative discipline um, and discipleship. Maybe that's another way to think about it. And thirdly, by exhorting. And he, this is calling, commanding, encouraging, um, uh, calling God's people to action as a consequence of the word of God. It means obeying God's commands. It means taking the truths of, of the indicative of God's word, what God has done for you and in you, uh, and working out the consequences through the imperatives that God's word calls upon you. So if, you, if you've put your faith in Christ, then the consequence being then, then live in Christ, uh, to walk in newness of life, to turn from sin, to keep your eyes, the eyes of your heart fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, um, to fight temptation with the gospel, um, to, to, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you and let the consequences of that priority work its way out in your everyday decisions, how you live, what you love, the choices you make, what you choose to spend your time doing, uh, what God commands you to do. Um, this is the difference here, I think. And this is something that I, had, I wish I had learned earlier in my ministry. I didn't, I didn't learn until later. Is the difference between a Bible lecture and true preaching is this, is exhortation. Bible lectures primarily focus on information of Bible truth. Preaching of the word focuses on transformation through Bible truth. And so... Um, so preaching God's word uh, pastorally and then patiently. We're, we're uh, nearing the end here. Preach the word of God patiently. Uh, look at what he goes on to say. With complete patience and teaching. Uh, and this just, re- re- uh, this just reminds me as a pastor uh, that, you know, preaching and sanctification and gospel transformation is a very, very slow and long process. You know, it's not instantaneous. You know, I, I sometimes I sometimes in my I'm in my thinking, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to preach, you know, preach on this, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, our prayer meetings are going to be full, <laughs> or um, or our whole church is going to share the gospel, you know, and become fishers of of men overnight. Um, everyone is going to. To study the Bible, you know, two, three hours a day, and they're going to love it. Um, you know, people are not going to struggle in their sin because of one message that I give to help them. No, you know, I think Paul very intentionally puts in here 
to preach with complete patience. The patience that, that uh, God's grace is going to work its way in the life of the believer according to God's timing and not mine. And, and, and what that means for you, brothers and sisters, is that you need to also receive God's word with complete patience. That just like I preached this morning, that he who began a good work, however slow and arduous it may be, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And you can, you can go to the bank on that. It's guaranteed. But uh, don't be impatient. Uh, with God's grace. If you're struggling with the sin, sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back. And what you need to see is the bigger picture that over the cumulative effect of the, of the gospel and of God's word and of the preaching of the week in and week out worship of God's people, um, it's not, it's, you, you're not going to see massive change from one day to another, but you will see a really good amount of change from one year to the next. Um, so we needed to see the, the big picture uh, and not be day traders with regards to God's grace, right? If, if we're stumbling and we're, we're going to sell all our shares, no. You got to hold on. Even when, it's, when, the, when the market goes down, you got to hold on because it's the long-term dividend and outlook uh, that God's grace works in our lives. And so... I need to be patient. You need to be patient. We need to be like farmers, planting God's word into the soil of our hearts, watering it, nurturing it, and then just watching it grow little by little every day. And then one day, uh, in a blink of an eye, I think, as you know, uh, you'll bear fruit to the glory of God. Uh, and then preach the word theologically teaching the truths of Scripture in the face of, of end-time opposition and unbelief. Verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, always be so reminded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry." And all, all that means here is that to teach the word of God, not according to, to, your, to suit your taste, to tickle your ears, to, hear, to, let, to have you hear what you want to hear, but to just simply preach what you need to hear according to God's word. Sometimes it's going to be hard to listen to. It's going to be hard to hear how sinful you are, the ways in which you've fallen short. It's going to be hard to hear uh, God's, uh, uh, God's will in, in, according to the law of God and how he expects perfection uh, or the way in which God calls us to obedience and how hard it is for us, how we always in, in, in regularly stumble and fall when, when God calls us to, to walk and follow him um, and to hear those hard truths that there is a real hell, that, that uh, if you don't repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, um, you know, when Jesus returns, um, and this is a hard truth, those outside of Christ will not be with Christ and they will be eternally condemned in the, in the fires of hell forever and ever. That's a hard truth. 
But it's a truth nonetheless that, that we all need to hear. Um, but thank God that there's God's grace in the gospel that, that we are not all consigned to hell, that God has offered a way of salvation, forgiveness, eternal life forever with him in the gospel through faith in Jesus Christ. If you would put your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you will have eternal life. Um, and then we, we ought not to compromise the teaching of God's word simply because of, of the culture uh, that we find ourselves. And then finally here, we do the work of an evangelist. And, and this is a, this is a um, uh, uh, working to, this is a uh, God's word to me uh, is not only do I preach the gospel, but I preach the gospel to those inside the church and those outside the church. Um, to, to call, to, to preach the gospel to the lost and to the found, to the unbeliever and the believer alike. The same Jesus not only saves, but also sanctifies. Uh, again, I think I, I, I like to repeat this, that the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, but the, it's the A to Z. That if we don't go beyond the gospel, we only go deeper into the gospel. And so uh, what this means then for me is that I need to go out and do the work of an evangelist. And would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that, that I would um, have the heart of, of Jesus to see the lost sheep and have compassion for them, to go out, leave the 99, and, uh, and help rescue uh, the one lost sheep? Uh, would you pray for me that I could prioritize my time, my resources, my energy, to, to intentionally go out to unbelievers and to share the gospel with them? Would you, get, would you pray for me to have boldness, uh, to have that, that gospel courage, you know, that uh, I don't want people to like me, uh, although, I, you know, I don't want them to hate me, but, 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 but I love them, and what I think they really need is the gospel uh, more than I need to be liked. Would you pray for me to do that? And, and what, I hope that what that will mean for you then is, uh, I may do the work of an evangelist as a pastor, <coughs> but it doesn't preclude you from doing uh, the work of an evangelist as a believer, to give an answer for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, to go and share the gospel with the lost that you know, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors. Who else is going to tell them the gospel? Who, who else knows Jesus? knows the gospel, if not you. So, um, so my hope is, is that, yes, it speaks to me as a pastor, but, um, but part of my job is then, as, as, as an evangelist, is to teach you also to do the work of an evangelist in your circles. Um, so uh, let, me, let me close with this final thought. Um, the gospel, the gospel is the lifeblood of the Christian faith, the life of the believer, the life of a church, and the way in which God uses the gospel to be, to be the center of our Christian universe, so to speak, is through the ministry, my ministry to you.
So would you pray for me in all of these ways? Because I, just like Paul, I have to confess, who is sufficient for these things? Not me, but in God, with God's grace, with God's power, um, I know that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Would you, would you pray for me, brothers and sisters? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for um, this ministry that you've entrusted to me and to other ministers. Lord, help us to, to fulfill our ministries. Help us to preach the word in all the ways that you've called us to and to help us then to do the work of evangelists. Bless us, O oh Lord, this evening. Uh, bless our church. Bless me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.